0: You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6.
1: Good evening, and thanks for joining us. We begin tonight with breaking news in what appears to be a fatal shooting in Surrey.
2: Officers combing over two crime scenes that may be linked. 12th Avenue is closed between 184th Street and 176th Street, where it's believed a shooting may have occurred. Police confirm they're investigating a suspicious death at that location. And police and fire crews also on scene at 28th Avenue and 187th Street, where a vehicle has been found on fire.
1: RCMP not saying much more about it at this point, only that they are in the early stages of their investigation. We'll bring you more details as they become available on that story. Now, the latest on a brutal assault in Yaletown that claimed the life of a 38-year-old Vancouver man.
2: Police believe the victim was viciously beaten at a park near the Cambie Street Bridge before he stumbled to a nearby casino and collapsed. Jill Bennett is on this story for us tonight and Jill, it happened very early in the morning but a very public area.
3: Very busy park here on the seawall Chris and for most of the day it was behind yellow police crime tape that as officers investigated this assault that turned deadly. It's a busy stretch of seawall filled with pedestrians on a beautiful day, but it's also a large crime scene, all of Cooper's Park and the surrounding area behind yellow police tape, after police say a man was assaulted here around 1.30 Thursday morning. We
2: are looking at allotted uh, forensic um, evidence right now, which is why we have such a big crime scene. So we're looking at the forensic evidence and putting together uh, witness accounts as to what
3: happened. Police say the victim, a 38-year-old Vancouver man, was able to walk from the park to the park casino a couple of blocks away.
2: The information I have is that he collapsed just outside the casino and uh, people at the casino called 911 where he was transported to hospital and underwent emergency surgery right away and he did not uh, survive after the surgery.
3: It's not believed there is any other connection to the casino although it's unclear why the injured man went to that building for help when several of the high-rises directly across from the scene of the assault have 24-hour concierge.
2: We're looking at all possibilities and we're trying to determine the motive, but our investigators are, are, you know, this is a very early crime scene and early on in the investigation.
3: Nearby residents say it's common for people to gather in the gazebo in the park at night and for this tent to be set up, but they're surprised to hear about the attack.
4: And I saw a police car with its lights shining onto the uh, cordoned off area. I just thought it was peculiar and I thought, well, must, something must have happened. And then when they did the second perimeter, I knew it was something pretty serious. It's a bit concerning. Because, you know, sometimes we like to go out for a, a nice stroll in the evening when the,
5: the moon is out on, on, on the water.
3: Investigators continued combing the park several hours after the attack, gathering evidence in the city's eighth homicide of the year. They're also still looking to talk to witnesses.
2: So many unanswered questions, Jill. Uh, what are police telling the public? Uh, because at this point we don't know if it was random or targeted.
3: Uh, at this point, Chris, uh, they're not saying if a weapon was used. Uh, they're not saying if the victim was known to police. And again, there's no known motive. So uh, there is a possibility this was a random attack. They are asking if anybody heard anything or saw anything around 1.30 in the morning to contact them as they investigate and to be uh, keep your eyes open in this area as there have been no arrests at this point. Chris?
2: Always good advice. Okay, thanks, Jill
3: investigators are trying to determine
1: what caused a fire that destroyed a print shop in east vancouver overnight the three alarm fire broke out at metropolitan printers on east pender at around 10 last night the smell of smoke lingering for kilometers a number of employees were inside at the time but thankfully everyone got out safely and while the building was destroyed, crews managed to prevent the fire from spreading to neighboring businesses.
4: It's community. We, we've all worked together for a long period of time. And, uh, yeah, I really feel for these guys. You worry for him and his family and, and uh,
6: the people that are impacted by this. So, yeah, you, know, you really feel it.
1: No word yet on what caused the fire. The building was torn down, but one owner says they will rebuild or relocate. And an impatient driver making an already difficult situation even more challenging. To their amazement, fire crews baffling the flames watched as a driver ignored the caution tape, running right over the water supply hose and tearing a five-inch gash in it. The driver then seemed to attempt to drive away.
7: There is no way he could have not known. Uh, the hose is extremely rigid because it has upwards of 100 pounds of pressure in it. It's uh, five inches in diameter and it's bright yellow. And I think we were all in a little bit of shock when we saw him try and get what appears to be a compact car over a five inch hose and then keep going. So as soon as we saw him drive a little over the hose we gave chase and we managed to stop him.
1: Well, it's not known yet if the driver will be handed a fine, but even if he is, that fine would be less than $100. Fire crews want to remind the public of the dangers of pulling such a stunt. A firefighter injured in January in a similar situation remains off the job today.
2: A 31-year-old man is now facing a fine and points against his license in connection with a crash that claimed three lives, two of them children. It happened during the evening rush last April. The cars collided on the Lowheed Highway just north of Pitt River Road in Coquitlam. Two girls, three and nine years old, and a 30-year-old woman did not survive. Adam Golding of Surrey is facing one Motor Vehicle Act charge of driving without due care and attention. If convicted, that charge carries a maximum fine of $2,000 and six penalty points. Coquitlam RCMP need your help identifying an alleged bank robber they've dubbed the makeup bandit. This guy caught on camera last November, allegedly holding up the Bank of Montreal on Shaughnessy Street in Port Coquitlam. In addition to a hat and sunglasses, police say the suspect applied either a self-tanner or heavy foundation on his face and neck. It's believed he may have done so to hide a tattoo or some other distinguishing feature. If you recognize him, call Coquitlam RCMP or Crime Crimestoppers.
1: B.C. is using what could be the last tool in its toolbox to fight the Kinder Morgan pipeline project. Today, the province went to court to make its case on why it should have control over how heavy oil flows through B.C. Keith Baldry explains what arguments the government put forward today
7: another day another pipeline protest in bc this one at the federal justice minister's vancouver constituency office but the battle against the kinder morgan pipeline expansion project will soon move from the protest line to a bc courtroom by issuing this reference today we're confirming that we believe that we have the jurisdiction to ensure that if there was a catastrophic diluted bitumen spill we have the ability to take steps to protect our economy and our environment. The BC government will put three questions in front of the BC Court of Appeal. First, does it have the authority to regulate the flow of heavy oil in the province? If the answer to that question is yes, the next question is all about Alberta sending bitumen BC's way.
8: The amendments would give the province authority to place a permit with conditions before permitting hazardous substances into the province above a specified minimum level.
7: The third question is whether federal laws trump provincial ones. Today, the federal government took dead aim at BC's position.
9: We believe this project is well within our jurisdiction. Um, we're also very disappointed that the government of British Columbia doesn't seem to be providing the full, pack, a full picture of the measures that are in place to protect the coasts.
7: And BC's opposition leader wasn't impressed either. It's clear from the proposal for their court reference that they are deferring to federal legislation but they don't want to wait to see what the federal legislation is that's coming up in a few weeks. So what we see now is the grand NDP scheme has been a deception for a year. It's unlikely the court reference case will be resolved anytime soon.
9: In short, the B.C. government's overall argument on this matter doesn't make sense, contradicts itself, and just doesn't hold together logically.
7: In the meantime, you can count on those anti-pipeline protests continuing for a long while yet.
1: All right, Keith Baldry joins us with more on this. Now that the government has finally gone to court, Keith, is there any indication how long before a ruling comes down? Because we have that deadline looming.
7: Yeah, it's, it looks like David Eby says he'd be very surprised if the Court of Appeal makes a ruling one way or another before that May 31st deadline set by Kinder Morgan, sort of the drop dead date. Uh, the technical briefing we got to point out there's been two recent references cases from the BC government. One involving that polygamy case that dragged on for about two years from argument to actual decision making. But there was a, a reference case involving the BC Election Act about seven years ago that only took two months to uh, find its way to finality for a court decision. So it can act. The courts can act quicker. Uh, and EB expects it to be an expedited decision, but it's unlikely, very unlikely to meet that May 31st deadline. So it's hard to say what impact this is going to have on Kinder Morgan's ultimate decision making.
1: All right, Keith, thank you.
7: Okay. More record high
2: temperatures across many parts of southern B.C. today. Meteorologist Christy Gordon joins us now <laughs> with the sizzling details. Can you feel the heat out there now, Christy?
10: Oh you sure can Chris you know we predicted the record breaking conditions but it's not until you really feel it do you realize how incredible this is this is mid this like midsummer temperatures we broke 20 records across the province here's the top 4 Both Squamish and Chilliwack hitting 29.2 degrees. And these are breaking records way back from 1926 and 1987. Port Alberni and Pitt Meadows right in behind. Chris, when I come back, we'll talk about the changes in store for us for the weekend and the interior record-breaking conditions expected tomorrow.
11: Look
2: forward to that. Thanks, Christy.
1: Right now, though, new legislation announced today to regulate the wholesale and retail sale of marijuana in this province. Reporter Richard Zussman joins us live in Victoria with more on how it'll all work. Richard. Yeah,
4: Sophie. When most people think about going to buy uh, cannabis in this province right now, they think about dispensaries that sell medical marijuana. So you walk up to the cash, something like this place, Farm here in Victoria, and you buy your marijuana. Well, that's all going to change when these new rules come into place. So let's go through some of the new rules that were introduced today by the province. First, there will be a mix of private and government-run stores. The private stores they could be current dispensaries, but they can't be called dispensaries anymore. They would. Have have to pay an application fee and then go through a process. The uh, publicly run stores will be totally separate from liquor stores, stand alone, all will sell as cannabis there, but the branding will look very similar to BC Liquor Stores. All stores will need permission of local governments to operate. Stores will sell a wide range of products, from oils to dried goods, but no edibles yet. That will come in in a year's time based on federal rules. Owners and operators must pass a criminal background check and administrative penalties for operators who don't follow the rules will be applied. But still, those that own and run dispensaries are trying to figure out whether this is something they are interested in continuing to pursue.
7: We're going to wait a little bit longer to make sure everything gets sorted out. Um, That seems a little bit muddy as far as what that really entails.
4: And one of the big questions that still lingers is what will happen if dispensaries don't get a license to continue to operate and they decide to continue to operate anyways. I asked Solicitor General Mike Farnworth about that today. What he said was the penalties are strict up to $100,000 and potential jail time. And he believes those penalties will encourage those businesses to get out of the business if they don't want to be legitimate.
1: All right. Thanks for that. Richard Zussman in Victoria.
2: Well, the government formally introduced three pieces of legislation to deal with the major changes needed ahead of legalization, including how to address drug-affected
0: driving. Ted Chernecki has more on that part of the story. It is perhaps one of those easier said than done situations. How do you determine if a driver is high and impaired versus simply having tetrahydrocannabinol, or THC, in a driver's bloodstream that could have been there from an incident three weeks ago?
3: The sections that they're adding to create this zero tolerance for THC for young drivers, class 7N drivers, are sections that don't have any review mechanism. And that's concerning because of how THC can remain in your body even a long time after ingesting it. Under BC's
0: proposed legislation, novice and learner-designated drivers caught with any THC will face suspensions and or fines. Marijuana advocates have long argued THC does not necessarily equal impairment. Unlike alcohol, there's a pretty clear connection between a certain amount in your system and a certain amount of impairment. With cannabis, testing your blood and your saliva and that does not really produce any kind of reliable correlation to actual impairment. The minister points out that there are existing impairment laws for both alcohol and drugs, and they apply now and will in the future. But the zero THC test is a new technology that Ottawa is promising. They're, they're, the feds have told us there's technology that they are
2: confident in, uh, but we still have yet to, uh, to know exactly, exactly what it is.
3: Here, we see the government publicly coming out and saying, we don't know if we're doing the right thing. We don't know if this is going to work. And it might lead to people who get prohibitions under this if they're found unconstitutional, having those quashed after the fact and having even financial remedies against the government.
0: Lawyers see a lot of holes in today's announced legislation and they see a litany of legal challenges ahead. They also point out it'll be difficult for the legislature to debate these bills when so much is unclear. Ted Chernock, Global News.
2: Victoria and Esquimalt schools are losing their police liaison officers, and the chief says the opioid crisis is to blame.
1: Victoria police say they were forced to cut the positions after Esquimalt Council turned down their request for six new officers. Six liaison officers are now being deployed to frontline duties. Parents and teachers say the move takes away the first line of defense in preventing students from falling into criminal behavior, but the police chief claims he had no choice.
12: I don't have enough resources to answer 911 calls and when we have people dying on our streets, again the third highest illicit drug overdoses in the province, I have to make sure that I'm maintaining a level of service and we're also saving lives. So although the school liaison program is a very, very important program,
4: I'm at the point where I need to deploy the resources where they're most needed critically
11: as of today.
1: The provincial government is now reviewing the matter. It has the power to force Esquimalt to pay for the new officers at a cost of about $40,000 a year.
2: Opponents of B.C.'s open-net fish farms have released new video they say provides more shocking evidence of the damage they can cause in our oceans.
1: A local documentarian and activist say the video proves the farms are even devastating B.C.'s rare glass sponge reefs. Nadia Stewart reports
11: we discovered two incredibly rare, undocumented glass sponge reefs. New video released by anti-fish farm advocates purporting to show a rare discovery.
4: These sponges are ancient animals that filter silica out of the water to build their bodies, meaning they are literally made of glass. New sponges continually grow on top of the dead ones, forming their own reefs over thousands of years and becoming rich with life.
11: But not far away from this deep sea refuge in the northeast Pacific waters off BC's coast.
4: What I saw on that camera made me feel sick.
11: Filmmaker Tavis Campbell finds another reef.
4: I could still see the sponges, but they were clearly dead and appeared to be totally smothered by waste and feces from the fish farm.
11: The farm is owned by Norway-based Surmac. It's been sitting empty since June 2017. But this video is trying to get farms moved out of the water and onto land. A new coalition of concerned groups urging Canada to make it happen by 2025.
0: The primary responsibility the Department of Fisheries and Oceans has to protect wild fisheries, to protect the environment. And as the Auditor General's report states that the government continues to fail in this regard.
11: He's referring to a recent report by the Federal Environment Commissioner. It concluded Ottawa is not adequately managing risks associated with salmon farming. Not the first report raising these
0: concerns. We are uncovering more and more dirty secrets of this industry and the government's perpetuation of the myth that it's actually sustainable.
11: In an email to Global News, Sermat Canada says it is reviewing the video and investigating the claims made, including where exactly this video was shot. But advocates say the footage speaks for itself. At the Historic Global News.
1: women who testified against Bill Cosby leaving a Pennsylvania courtroom in tears today after the comedian is found guilty of sexual assaults.
2: A jury taking about 14 hours to find Cosby guilty of three counts of indecent assault for an attack on a Canadian woman in 2004.
1: Comedian responding to the verdict with an expletive-laced tirade in court. Bill
5: Cosby, comedian, actor, The man once dubbed America's dad. Tonight, the 80-year-old is convicted on three counts of aggravated indecent assault. What
6: was revealed through this investigation was a man who had spent decades preying on women that he drugged and sexually assaulted.
5: As the verdict was read, Cosby accusers not part of the case gasped and sobbed in the courtroom, forcing the judge to call for order. The jury decided beyond a reasonable doubt that Cosby drugged and sexually assaulted Andrea Constand in his Pennsylvania home in 2004. Constand, a former Temple University employee, stared ahead during the verdict with little emotion on her face. For many alleged victims whose accusations never led to criminal charges, this was seen as their victory as well. I feel like I'm dreaming. Can you pinch me? I feel like I'm dreaming. In the retrial, five accusers, in addition to Constance herself, testified, telling the jury they, too, were drugged and sexually assaulted by Cosby. The prosecution attempting to show a pattern of behavior. The defense fired back in cross-examination, accusing the six women of wanting money and fame. In closing arguments, Cosby's attorney, Kathleen Bliss, personally attacked one of the women, former model Janice Dickinson, telling the jury, it sounds like she has slept with every man on the planet. Women's rights attorney Gloria Allred represents several of the accusers who testified. Finally, we can say women are believed and not only on hashtag Me too, but in a court of law. District Attorney Kevin Steele battled to get Cosby's bail revoked and send him straight to jail, telling the judge he was a flight risk and has a plane. Cosby then yelled, he doesn't have a plane. You a-hole. I'm sick of it, you a-hole. Outside, Cosby and his defense team, stunned, said they would appeal. We are very
4: disappointed by the verdict. We don't think Mr. Cosby's guilty of anything, and the fight is not over.
1: Well, the fallout has already begun. The TV network Bounce says it is now pulling its reruns of The Cosby Show. And Cosby's alma mater, Temple University, says it will reconsider an honorary degree given to him decades ago. Dozens of other colleges have already revoked their honors.
2: So, breaking news now and something a lot of people thought they might never see. North Korean leader Kim Jong-un making history... With a step over a slab of concrete, that step taking him across the line in the Korean demilitarized zone into South Korea to shake hands with his rival, South Korean President Moon Jae-in. The first time that's happened since the end of the Korean War. Kim then invited Moon to cross briefly north with him before they returned to the southern side, both men on their way to the summit venue in the DMZ that will focus on North Korea's nuclear weapons program. We are learning more about the victims of that van attack in Toronto that killed 10 people and injured 14. That comes as new video emerges of the first seconds of the deadly rampage.
9: These surveillance cameras caught the van as it started its killing spree, speeding past and continuing down the Young Street sidewalk as pedestrians are seen running and jumping out of the way. But not everyone saw it coming. From here, the van continued for more than two kilometres, leaving carnage in its path. Just senseless, uh, just ten lives gone just like that. Today, police were searching for clues and evidence at the home of 25-year-old Alec Manosian, who has been charged with 10 counts of first-degree murder and 13 counts of attempted murder. Amongst the flowers, a tribute to Betty Forsyth. Mary Hunt says her friend and neighbor Betty left for her daily walk and has not been seen since.
11: She used to say she was 94, but uh, she was 96, but you'd never know it. Betty was an active person.
9: There's also growing concern for a 7-year-old boy whose mother, Renuka Emmeringsingha, was killed in Monday's van attack. According to her community at this Buddhist center, her son is alone and now being cared for by a friend. There is a GoFundMe campaign to help support him. Currently, there are still 8 patients being cared for. 5 remain in critical condition and 3 in serious condition. The coroner has yet to officially release the names of those murdered, but the families and friends are remembering them and speaking about their loss.
11: Every day she would walk to go out to see her her animals.
9: She would feed the birds and the squirrels. That picture of tranquility shattered by these disturbing images as residents still in shock and mourning are planning a vigil on Sunday night.
11: Mm-hmm.
9: Allison Vushnik, Global News.
1: In Health Matters tonight, an emotional appeal for increased awareness of life-saving skills from people who are alive today because of them. All five people who gathered today with doctors and St. John ambulance officials survived heart attacks in public places because someone either knew CPR or they knew how to use an AED, an automated external defibrillator.
6: I was playing hockey and uh, came off the ice after a shift and just could not catch my breath. But then later on in the dressing room I collapsed with my teammates and uh, fortunately there was a paramedic playing on the other team.
1: Statistics show that almost 80% of all cardiac arrests occur in homes and public places and the survival rate from a heart attack outside a hospital is only 5%. St. John Ambulance says only about half of British Columbians have CPR training and fewer than a quarter have AED training.
2: What a difference it can make. All right, well, experiencing B.C.'s rugged coast in the most luxurious surroundings.
3: It's very easy to sell.
2: The floating lodge for adventurers who prefer a certain level of comfort in the wilderness. Next.
1: And it's not your average traffic stop when a giant inflatable flamingo is involved. The story behind this picture.
2: A new luxury resort is about to open for the summer at Haida Gwaii, and despite its matching luxury rates, the owners are expecting big things.
1: As Aaron MacArthur reports, they just have to move the resort up there first.
8: Not the usual cargo coming under the Lionsgate Bridge. This barge, a little more high end. The floating lodge making a brief stop in Vancouver before it gets towed to its summer home on the shores of Haida Gwaii.
4: We've put a lot of work and effort into this facility over the last year renovating it, and uh, we're quite proud of the results.
8: Ocean House will eventually end up here at the head of Stads Kun an inlet on the west coast of Moresby Island. The luxury resort is being put into operation by the Haida Economic Development Corporation. Sustainable, eco cultural tourism a big part of what the haida nation is focused on
4: we think it's a showcase for what can be done in the future on haida Gwai. Um we'd like to expand upon this and provide a more uh, even increased diversity
8: of experiences for people in the future the lodge will never see more than 24 guests at a time in an area where there are no roads it is strictly fly in fly out inclusive luxury but with an exclusive price tag The market primarily aimed at international travelers looking for a -a one-of-a-kind experience.
3: Wonderful blend of luxury in a pristine wilderness and top-notch service. It's very easy to sell.
8: Already running Haida House in Thlal at capacity and with almost no vacancy across the islands during summer, Heiko believes the time is right to launch this project.
7: We're involved
4: because that's our home and we want to be in control of what happens in our, in our lands and our waters, and we want to see those benefits go back to the people in Haida Gwaii.
8: The Ocean House, set to be ready to take guests early June, and the season will run through September. A short window on an experience unlike anything seen before on Haida Gwaii. Aaron MacArthur, Global News.
2: Looks good. And then there's how not to transport a large object. Saanich police tweeting this picture saying, your arms out the window holding on to something on the roof are not considered proper tie-downs. Please make sure you properly secure your cargo if you're heading to the beach.
1: Nice try, though. (laughs) I have so many questions about that (laughs) photo. I don't
2: know crazy
1: caption this <laughs> all right let's check our weather forecast meteorologist christy gordon joins us once again from uh a wine
10: event of course yes we are at the aston martin dealership in Kitsilano. so uh chris What an elegant event. Chris, right up your alley with the luxury cars. And Sophie, you too, because we are sipping wine. Well, I'm not yet, but people are sipping wine and bidding on wine from all over the world. It's called Grape Juice, this event. And it's in support of Big Sisters, B.C. and the Lower Mainland. Now, it's a beautiful day out there. We talked about the records earlier. Here's a quick glance at the high temperatures across the Lower Mainland, starting with areas towards the west. The airport was still a little cool at 18 degrees but further inland 27 in Coquitlam, 27 in Pitt Meadows, and over towards the east and through the Fraser Valley, 28 and 29 degrees. The hot spot across Canada is 29.3 degrees, and that was in Lytton today. Now, we have plenty of sunshine in store for the interior tomorrow, but those of us across the coast will start to see cloud cover towards the end of the day. The rain not expected until the overnight hours, uh, but we will certainly see that rain throughout the day on Saturday. well and uh, that's certainly going to mean cooler conditions tomorrow being a transition day for us so there's your Friday everyone spectacular coastal region starting to see some cloud cover though but terrific conditions potentially record-breaking in these areas now we haven't seen as much snow melt although there is significant but overnight lows have been quite cool down to about four five six degrees there's your highs for tomorrow 19 to 23 degrees across Metro Vancouver and much much Cooler over the weekend, boy, that'll be a difference. Now, I want to introduce you to Marley Stevens. Marley was a little sister a long time ago, and now she works for Big Sisters um, BC Lower Mainland. Marley, tell everyone about um, it's about mentorship for vulnerable girls. What was it like for you
13: having a mentor growing up? It was a wonderful opportunity. Having my big sister Glenda in my life was just amazing. She helped me provide self-esteem and confidence to me. She also helped encourage me to pursue a job at Biggest Sisters, and here I am today. Life-changing. Now, what would you say to people at home who are thinking about becoming a big sister? I think they should definitely do it. It's a wonderful opportunity. You go in thinking you're gonna give so much to a little sister, and you end up getting so much fulfillment and joy out of it. What kind of time commitment? So for the Big Sisters program, it's a two to four hour commitment for a minimum of one year. Uh, well, thank you for being here. And
10: you can also take part in tonight's event by going to bigsistersgrapesuce.com. You can bid on the wine from all over the world. Sophie, you better check it out right away. Thanks so much, Marley. Thank you. Back to you guys.
2: Before you have any, uh, oh, sorry, Self, go ahead.
10: No, I'm just saying I'm on it,
1: the bidding.
2: Yeah, the bidding, and I was going to say, Christy, before you have any wine, see if somebody will give you the keys to one of those cars. Take (laughs) it for a rip.
1: Okay, sounds good. (laughs) She's right on it.
2: She's right on it. I've tried following her home from work.
1: She's fast. (laughs) She wants to get to the wine. (laughs) That's right. Well, if you've always uh, wondered when someone is going to build a real transformer, Japanese engineers have your answer.
2: In what the inventors say is a first, this robot that transforms into a two seater sports car. Can actually carry people. And the passengers can stay inside when the car changes back into a robot. They say it can either walk or drive on its four wheels.
1: <gasps> I want one.
2: <laughs> so cool.
1: Is that Optimus Prime? It, it, I, I. It's kind of a... Know. He's the only name I know. It's cheaper more version.
2: Let's put it that way.
12: Sure looks cool. Because <laughs> it's Obvious. a trans- Clever. Transformer. Clever. Inspired yeah. by the Transformers, for mm-hmm. sure. But you know what his face looked like? Mm-hmm. Old Godzilla fans would know this. His face kind of looked like Jet Jaguar.
2: I'm talking about 80s animated classics.
12: Yeah, yeah. Transformers. Johnny Bravo. Okay. Uh, Oh, tonight's the NFL Draft. Mm -hmm. It has begun. We're waiting for the uh, Seattle Seahawks to make their pick. Uh, Tomorrow is the NHL Draft Lottery. No, not tomorrow. Saturday is the NHL Draft Lottery. Uh, Canucks have a 7.5% chance of winning first overall, which... And I know you've heard me say this before. The Canucks have never, ever had the first pick in the NHL draft. But in this lottery, they have a better chance of actually going backwards from their position than going forwards. They were sixth worst in the league. Jim Benning, the Canucks GM, will be the rep this year for the draw. First time ever he's been asked to do that. So I had to ask him this question. How lucky do you feel? Actually, I got a better question. <laughs> Have you ever won anything in your life—a lottery, a Never. church raffle? Nothing. Never. You can't think of one I don't thing.
2: consider myself lucky, um, you know. But I guess what's transpired—you know—the last couple of years, Trevor's gone, right. and to. it didn't work out so well, Thank and stuff. Can't. So now this year, he said he's just said to me, "You're going this year." Columbus. Columbus. <laughs> <So long. laughs>
12: That's the face of a guy who just lost the lottery. All right, game one, round two. Penguins, Capitals are going at it again, and usually the Penguins break the Capitals' hearts. Early in the third, Washington's already up one-nothing. Alex Ovechkin makes it two-nothing. And then the Penguins do what the Penguins do to the Washington Capitals. It's two-one, Crosby ties it two-two, and then Jake Gensel, who's been a scoring machine in the playoffs so far, Four in the deciding game against Philadelphia. He gets one here to give them a 3-2 lead. Three straight in the third for the Penguins. Matt Murray. I don't think Matt Murray gets enough respect, but this guy's a two-time Stanley Cup winning goalie, and that's a Stanley Cup save right there. And 3-2 is the final, and the Pens lead the series
2: 1-0.
12: Caps are home tomorrow to Salt Lake. Uh, there was some hope that maybe Kai Kamara, the man running past us right now, might be able to play. He practiced hard today. He has a groin problem, but he's doubtful for tomorrow's game. Maybe he'll be able to play next week. Well, most of the players at the BC Lions minicamp this week are people you have never heard of. But there is one guy whose older brother is really famous. His last name is Lynch. And you might remember when his older brother was the skittle-eating touchdown machine for the Seattle Seahawks. Here's Lynch.
6: No, Marshawn Lynch is not coming to the CFL to play for the Lions, but there could be a baby beast mode in orange and black this summer. Marshawn's younger brother, Devontae, is at the team's tryout camp this week, looking for an invitation to main camp next month in Kamloops. It could definitely give me a better look. The name, you know, because the name goes back even further than my brother. It goes back to my uncle Lorenzo, who played 11 years in the league, so... Our, our name is pretty pretty valuable and, and I'll i definitely run with it. I got gotta use any opportunity I can get. So he's got the pedigree, but at five foot seven, 185 pounds, he's definitely undersized for an NFL running back. But in the CFL, with his pass catching ability, Devonte could prove to be a good catch for the Lions. He's come in here and you know he's made a mark. Uh, you know he's got excellent hands. He's got excellent quickness and. You know, he's a hard worker. It's hard to say, you
4: know, uh, what kind of running back he is till you actually line up, put the pads on, and play a real game.
6: Devontae had some highlight real moments in college, playing for New Mexico Highlands, refusing to be brought down on this play that resulted in a touchdown. That inner fight comes from having an older brother who's seven years older, four inches taller, and outweighs him by nearly 40 pounds. I never back down from a challenge. We always, you know, we wrestle and stuff at the house, so... It gets me prepared to, you know, go up against guys that size. The Lions haven't announced if they'll bring Devontae to main camp yet, but it's clear they think highly of him, no matter who he's related to. At the end of the day, that's what it's going to come down to, because I can be his brother forever, but if I can't play football, who's going to give me a shot, you know? Barry Delay, global sports.
12: NFL Draft: Baker Mayfield, bit of a surprise quarterback from Oklahoma, goes to Cleveland, number one. Saquon Barkley, the uh, great running back, now with the uh, Giants and the Jets. Third overall, they went with the uh, quarterback Sam Darnold of uh, USC. Four quarterbacks in the first ten. Wow, I know. Could be a great, could be a great cast. Could be, or they could just be a bunch of busts in a couple of years that oh, we man. say,
2: oh, the Browns don't need that another year. I know. All right.
1: I know. K Squire. Thank you. Let's check in with Anne Drew. And now for a look ahead to Global News at 11. Ann,
9: Thanks, Sophie. And we continue to follow that suspicious death and vehicle fire in South Surrey. And we're also keeping a close watch on the Okanagan, where Summerland officials have declared a local state of emergency. The Enes Creek continues to rise. And there's concern the flooding will spread to a much larger area. We'll have more on how crews are trying to get the upper hand on Mother Nature. That's coming up tonight at 11 o'clock. Chris, Sophie? All right. Thanks very much, Anne.
2: Modern Burgers Kitsilano location fades into history. Some iconic Vancouver restaurants about to give way to new condos. Sky, uh, Squire is up next with that story.
1: But first, here's Kasha Badurka with five things to do with your family. Kasha.
13: Yeah, the weekend's almost here and many events have already kicked off. First, enjoy the international vibe without leaving the city. The fourth annual Vancouver World Music Festival is a three-night celebration of world beats featuring artists from around the globe. And now for the local vibe. Refresh Market features over 100 artists and shops along with food trucks and live music. Support your indie designers and find something new for the spring. Tis the season to get in shape, and finally, we can do it on the outside. Thursday mornings, bring your own yoga mat and join in on the fun at a free outdoor boot camp held by Steve Nash Fitness in Abbotsford. Meanwhile in Richmond, you can embrace spring with a community cleanup, Earth Day activities, and a light lunch. Earth Day at Canby is free, open to all ages, and everyone will learn to make seed paper. Asha MacIsaac, one of the country's most celebrated roots musicians, brings his energy energetic style of fiddle playing to Kamloops. Both Friday and Saturday, he takes the stage with the full Kamloops symphony. For more on this, head to globalnews.ca slash five things.
6: This program is brought to you by BCAA. Get a BCAA membership and save with our many partners, plus get the best roadside assistance. Thank
1: you, Cheryl.
2: All right, Squires here. Uh, We talked a little bit about these iconic local favorites uh, along Broadway in Kitsilano that are moving.
12: It's not easy to be in the small business business these days with taxes and rents going up and things like that. And, of course, people are building condos now. And in this case, a condo has to come in, so something has to go out. And it's two old favorite restaurants in Kitsilano. That is today's story. What's coming to this Kitsilano neighborhood might be iconic, it's possible, but we know for sure that what's going is iconic. Nice to see you guys. Yeah, I'm gonna go home and cry. Don't cry for too long. <laughs> for Kitsilano, it's like losing a couple of good neighbors. Benny's has been here for 30 years in Modern Burger 17.
6: I'm going to miss the wonderful times that we've had here, the wonderful customer base which I mean anybody in business would be delighted to have, yeah I'm going to miss it.
12: People used to come here with their parents when they were children. They grew up and they used to come with their children and they used to go to the high school. We have like a lunch rush from the
11: kids high school almost every day so all those kids used to come here as part of their childhood.
12: Some of Benny's customers would really love to preserve those memories. This note asks to buy a table because Benny's is where this man met his wife. So are you going to sell them
11: anything? Probably right now, no. We're going to put it in storage and we're going to reflect for six months and then we'll see what we're going to do from there. Now Benny's is
12: thinking of relocating. Modern Burger is relocating for sure, just not in kids which definitely changes the neighbourhood.
13: It's devastating for them as business owners. It's devastating for their customers. It's devastating for all the rest of us as businesses. How about a burger? Yeah, <laughs> how about a burger platter? Because a- the more how about a- wonderful places there are on the street, the more likely it is people come and spend the day on Broadway
11: or, you know, an afternoon. Yeah, it's sad. It's sad for Vancouver because you're losing the mom and pops.
6: What about the chocolate-covered cherry? Yeah. <laughs> That's a good choice. We'll be announcing in about a week's time where our new location is going to be. We've been keeping it a secret for a while, because we've been trying to work it out. Yeah.
11: So like but it's all coming are together. customers going to go east? Our customers are going to have to go slightly east, yes.